right, here we go. The advent calendar continues to grow. Uh, hey guys, welcome to episode 118 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Commodore Provide, and my fellow host is a lot like Kevin Costner in Dances of Wolves. Dances with Modular? I am plus one counters in his hair. Do you see that I support class? Can you see I will always bolster one my weakest creature? Big Tuck. Tataka. That was very good. That actually took some level of effort. That's a that was a good. <laughs> it really did. I I had to Google Kevin Costner quotes, found his famous one, and like, how can I turn this into a modular bullshit statement? Let's be honest here. You have never seen Dances with Wolves. Of course not. Yeah, why would you? So I'm drinking. Uh, the Advent calendar continues to grow. For those playing the home game and our guests. Uh, I am a highly functional alcoholic who then has gotten this advent <laughs> calendar of wines to drink. So I'm a little behind from the weekends. So I'm enjoying this Ode Couple, Fernando Pierres, Portugal, which Mr. Combo, um, this ends up being a little bit of liquid painkiller because earlier this afternoon, I got the first stitches that I can remember in my entire life. What'd you do? Well, what happened, man? Well, Mr. Combo, uh, for those who don't know, I live kind of an aggressive life. I play rugby. I go to the shooting range. I shoot bow and arrow. Uh, you know, I get into Donnie Brooks on the weekends. Uh, I was meal prepping last night. And when I was trying to shove a can of to open tomatoes into my recycling bin, Ooh, I didn't realize how idea. full it was and just fucking sliced me. So because I am an idiot and think I'm a lot cooler than I am, I was like, I'll just put some super glue in here. That's what they do in the movies. That's going to fix this right away. Uh, <laughs> I did clean it out, though, which I got kudos for. Uh, and also because I'm still waiting on my background check, I am not really still? working. Still? But I talked to someone else, and they said it took over three weeks for them. So whatever. I'm not. I'm kind of working a little bit here and there, but like in reality, I don't have a whole hell of a lot to do. So I've been going to the doctor. I went to the dentist. I'm going to the optometrist tomorrow, and I had my doctor <laughs> visit planned today. So it worked out. I went to them today, and I was like, I know I'm here for my annual checkup uh, and maybe some other tests, but uh, beyond that, I have this cut on my hand. Am I good or what should I do? They're like, they looked at it for two seconds, like, yeah, you need to go get stitches. So. Here's the thing, though, Tuck. I got to quit. A, put a quick pause in your story. Yes, please. Because you were like, oh, a background check's taking forever. So I decided to go do the doctor, go to the dentist, go to the optometrist, all this stuff. Really, what I'm reading between the lines is I'm trying to live off the grid. I'm trying to milk as much insurance money as I can and get as much free care as possible. That's what I'm reading here. 100%. I max it out before I start my new job in 2022. Uh, <laughs> welcome to American Healthcare, our guest. So anyway, yeah, everybody's trying to be Canadian. I was just about to say that. It doesn't. Well, it, gets, it gets even worse because they were like, "We can't treat you here. We recommend you go to an urgent care facility." And it's like, I thought this was a hospital. Uh, but what do I do? I mean, I'm just, I just love this story. I guess the way I envision this is like you go to like this like multiple PhD doctor. Mr. Doctor, can you do simple stenches in my hand? And they're like, oh, sorry here, Timmy. Yeah, you know what like, you need to go? That alley in the corner behind the bar and the Taco Bell. That's where you need to go get and stitches. And then it got even worse because they were like, you should go to one of these places. Didn't make me an appointment. So I was like, well, and then like you need to do this today because it might heal too fast. And then you can't get stitches in it. Uh -huh. I was like, you might heal like Wolverine. Yeah. And ruin yourself. <laughs> Which has happened before. When I played rugby, I took an earring out and I had to re-pierce myself by the end of the game. So I do have a, I used to have a really good healing factor. But 
Anyway, I, the only place I could find was this like weirdo place down the street from where I live. That's like the only of its kind. And it wasn't that bad. Like I didn't expected it. But the only thing that sucked was I was waiting in like the waiting room, which was hot AF because it's it turns out it's 40 degrees here in North Carolina, North Carolina. And people think it's the dead of winter. So I was sitting there in this hot waiting room while they were going and trying to find the stucher to, st- to stitch me up because it wasn't in like the box that they had. So I was like, thank God I don't have to come to this place on emergencies. Uh, so now I'm having this delicious uh, white wine to ease the pain. But Mr. Combo, you are looking mediocrely well rested. How are you, sir? Hey, hey now. Uh, the weird thing is that I actually did get good rest last night. I, uh, Told my fiance it was like 8.30, and I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'm sure. taking my night meds. I'm fucking passing out, and I slept till 7.30, 8 o'clock this morning. So cool, like 10 hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I feel great. I'm feeling rested. Very excited for this episode because it's probably one of my favorite guests on, and this guy loves chaos as much as I do. Uh, and yes, I mean by real-world chaos, not fake in-game chaos. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited to hear about how you're robbing the American insurance companies out of money. Uh, that makes me very proud. Uh, Thank you. That's as every American should do. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think about, like, interesting thing going on. Don't I mean, I bet with the- Halo Infinite, you've been playing that like crazy? Oh, okay. So I did want to mention that. But I, I, I do also have a piece of magic that I want to talk about as well. But I will talk about Halo Infinite. So, Brando, uh, I got introduced to Halo right when the first Xbox came out. Uh, funny stories. I actually saved up all of... Uh, so I don't know how Canadians do schooling. So do you guys do secondary school or middle school? Uh, it depends where in Canada you are. But I know what oh, both of those okay. things are. I know what both of those things are. So whenever you're in the age of tur- you're 14 turning 15, whatever grade you'd be going into, here it'd be ninth grade. Okay, that'd be 15 would be 10 here. Okay. So uh, you guys going into your 10th grade, us going into our 9th, I ended up getting a job at a local pool, saved up all my money over the summer, and bought my very first Xbox. That was, like, my big thing. And the only reason I wanted it, though, was for Elder Scrolls Morrowind. Fucking loved that game. Solid game. Poured 1,500 hours into it in three months. There you go. And and then I about choked out my half-brother because he deleted over my game. Uh, That's a story for another podcast. (laughs) Uh, But I absolutely love that game. That's the whole reason I bought an Xbox, spending $500, $600 of a 14-year-old's money. Uh, That's what I wanted to do. Well, I ended up getting this game included for free with it called Halo Combat Evolved. Had no idea what it was. Could give a fuck less. I was actually upset that they wouldn't give me NBA 2K6 or whatever for free with it or Men 6. But I was like, ah, I guess I'll get this game. Well, obviously, decades go by. You fell in love with the game. You like it. So Halo Infinite's out. Uh, the beta came out for multiplayer about a month ago. Played it. First day absolutely was trash. Ever since then, I usually go about 20 and 12 on there so not too bad i feel like it's pretty decent but the campaign and everything fully came out this week and so i downloaded the the full game uh fyi guys the entire game multiplayer and campaigns like 60 gigs massive unreal absolutely hoss too much too much too much uh but here's the cool thing too sweet uh, here's what they've done with ha- uh, Halo Infinite, though, which I I love it. They've taken all the great things about Halo, the open-world campaign of Assassin's Creed, mixed with the size of level to, like, Destiny. 
So it's a good enough level to where if you wanted to haul ass from one end to the other, it'd probably take you a half hour, 45 minutes. But it's not so big that you feel like you get can get lost for days. But it doesn't give the feel of what old Halo games were, where you have a campaign, you play the thing, and it's like, ooh, campaign over. We're going to relocate you all the way to this other spot on the map, and you're going to play here and do the campaign. It's you finish the campaign, and then you're just there. Like, I guess I'll haul ass over Wait, here and go do my own thing. Did you finish the campaign this week already? No, 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 okay. no. No, so uh, it, this is something my one of my buddies asked me, Eric. I have probably put 15 hours into the campaign um, – Doing what I like to do, explore, do all the stuff. I'm maybe 10% through the game, 12% tops. And it's pretty great. Like some of the little mini missions, it's like, hey, go rescue a Bravo team because they're pinned down somewhere. And then when you rescue Bravo team, you get Valor. So when you uh, take over forward operating bases, you can request new gear. It all kind of compounds. So you don't have to do any of the extra stuff if you want to. You can just do the campaign, oh, and it's oh, just like a normal oh, Halo okay, game. Yeah. But if you want to put a little more customization into it to where, like, hey, every game I want to start off with a rocket launcher and a battle rifle, I can do that. You just have to get enough forward operating basis to build up the supply depot to do it sure i am in it the game is challenging i'm playing it on heroic which is a shade under the hardest level um and i mean there have been missions where i die four or five six times but it never gets too frustrating it is the perfect game for right now i am obsessed with it i can't stop playing it are you sir a halo person watch him say no no i'm not oh, damn it. i'm not i'm sorry uh, I was a PlayStation guy from way back, so... I downloaded... I had the Game Pass, which Mr. Combo was correct in the value out of it. But the problem is, whenever I play games, I don't like. I don't have the attention span to, like, grind out, like, online games. So I only play story missions. And I played Halo Infinite for, like... I played at Mr. Combo's and enjoyed it. Uh, and I think it might have been his giant-ass TV, so I could actually <laughs> see what was going on, because I'm a blind person. Uh, but then I played it for, like, a couple hours. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back to my single-player, story-based, like, long games. Yeah, I'm right there. With I'm so just, sad. I'm so bad at online games. It's not that I don't want to play them. I'm just – I'm so bad, you guys. Like, yeah. you don't even understand it, how it bad happens. I am at Halo Online. And I, I try, and I was like, oh, shit. But I, like, I, own the, I own the soundtrack to the first two Halo games. I actually, I have, yeah, I have Halo 2 and 3 on the shelf behind me. They're there somewhere. Like, I have played them, and I do enjoy them. It's just once I do the A to B campaign yeah. mission, and then I go, yeah. you know, this is really just StarCraft. And then somebody hits me, and then <laughs> I move on to something else, right? <laughs> sure. Well, I will say this, Brando, if you are ever wanting to be Sherpa'd in some multiplayer or even campaign, you let us know. Uh, we're happy to do it uh, because I will tell you this. I am someone that I personally believe I am a decent gamer. I'm not someone that would ever be like, ooh, if I didn't make the you know job I have, I could be a professional gamer. Like, no, it's nothing like that. I, I am an average gamer at best. But I think I'm good enough to where it's like I'll play with one of my – he's actually one of my groomsmen. His name is Eric. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, he sucks. He's terrible. He's not <laughs> but, when, but when we play together, he ends up – and we both end up having a great time because it's not so much of a I individually am not a good player. 
It's a, hey, I'm playing with someone else. And, you know, that person happens to be a little bit more excelled skill-wise like than lift. I am. Yeah, it's like a lift. Yeah. So it's like, hey, when I maybe was a one-shot away from dying, this person helped finish it out. But at the same time, I'm bringing benefit to it. So Eric, one of the things he loves to do is drive vehicles. That's all he fucking Ooh. does. Just oh, drive God. anything he fucking get his hands on to. And it's like, hey, I'll get in that and I'll ride with you. And there was one game where we died in a vehicle nine times. Didn't kill anyone. Nine, but you know what? Times. We had the damnedest nine time times. as well. So if you ever get to the point that you're like, you know what? I just want to have some fun in this game that personally I feel like I'm maybe not excelling at. And that's why my fun level isn't where it's at. We are happy to give you a blood-filled <laughs> 0 and 20 death experience but you'll actually have a lot of uh, memorable events it sounds like my life zero and 20 death yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds like my everyday i like that I, i'm into that i appreciate that a lot but here's the last thing and the more important thing that i wanted to bring up is i did buy a collector booster uh me individually this was not my fiance doing it brando we had this you, thing you in did it you finally not- gave up I finally when gave up. Your fiance uh, was doing it for you. Yeah, sure. No, <laughs> she was. But, okay. So I, I have an amazing spouse, and she is like, hey, do you want some magic cards? And I'm like, well, here's what I'm interested in. If you ever feel like getting them for me, here you go. And it's not singles. It's just packs. So it'll be like, because she used to just get me like M20 packs, and I had to eventually break it to her like, hey, quit wasting your money on this. This is trash. <laughs> uh, if you want to make me happy, at least get me a set booster. There's at least the likelihood I could get something relevant out of it so that's been the gimmick for the whole year uh but you know we came up i had to do an errand for her, and i was like fuck it i'm gonna buy myself some pack a pack coward make myself feel good <laughs> uh so i bought a collector booster of oh. crimson vow oh you are you are stupid sir <laughs> and i, don't I made that, but... i doubled my value of what I spent. No way. So we Watch have off. a full full art wedding ring. Ooh, right. nice. That's worth about $35. The pack okay. costs 27 So I already okay. broke even. Uh, and then I did get the showcase to Livia. Okay. That's worth All 25 right. All right, all right. And then at, even out of cards that aren't worth anything, I got full art splendid reclamation. You know, that's probably a couple bucks. That's a bucker. Uh, I got, I got the alternate search of the Count's Castle. I think it's worth like a dollar or two. Yeah. So, you know, not terrible. And it looks um, cool. I did, I did get the alternate non-world art of Dracula. So just oh, the, sure, the regular yeah. Dracula, not the, the different person. And then I did get a foil Odric, the Blood Cursed, and a plane. So I think all in all, it's like $70 at TCG low. Hey, like we, we'll take like that we, as a win. I like that he showed off the Odric. Like, I opened an Odric, you yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. This card Thank is you. so good. Like, no. Yeah, can't hey! Going in every Boros deck, going funny. in Feather, for sure. Yeah. No questions. Guys, <laughs> guys, we all know, when it comes to packs, if something's even worth... 10% of the value of what you spent, you flex it. Oh, yeah. Look, I didn't go completely underwater. I got, a, I got this I got 40. A basic land. It's worth 40 cents. I paid $4. That's 10%. Watch out. I should, that, that was I a good just, one, though. That wedding ring, that wedding ring is. Yeah, that wedding ring is pretty tight. Yes. I'm glad I bought mine yeah. before they went like super high up because I didn't open any either, of course, because that's how I live my life. I don't open good. cards. So I just had good. to buy them. 
Cool. Well, except except the thing is, though, we did just congratulate Brando on the wrong way that he said it. He's like, yeah, I don't usually open good cards. We're like, good. It's like, no, we should be <laughs> like, should oh, be that's opening, sad. You should be opening any cards. No, man, I made a career out of it, dude. Like, I don't know if you guys ever watched my YouTube stuff, but like, I get destroyed. I haven't made Oh, no, you absolutely do. Oh, cool. by the way, Mr. Uh, not sad. to interrupt anyone, Mr. Combo, perhaps you should introduce our guest who's been talking for effectively this whole episode. But oh, yeah, that's <laughs> very true, guys. For, hold on. Talk, is it Toyota the Memberthon? Magic all right, look, Ember. You can't, all right. So you can either go one of these. You, can, you gotta go this way. You can either say Merry Chrysler. You can say Happy Honda Days. You can say Have a Tremendous Toyota Thon. Or you can call or, it, it actually is Guest Sember on CMD Tower. Oh, okay. So it's Guest Sember on CMD Tower. And uh, we have a fan favorite from the Commander Cookout podcast, CCO Nation, Brando. What's hey. going on, buddy? Hello. Uh, well, I, I guess you kind of know I haven't been playing Halo. I haven't been opening good cards. Uh, I have been playing you, you a have lot been, of You have been abusing the Canadian insurance schemes. Oh, absolutely. Because they certainly exist. And, I mean, I can get my feelings checked for free, but I can't get my teeth fixed. So it's <laughs> what it, it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. We can get all of our stuff all looked after, except for our, our teeth and our eyes. So if we can't, that's shoot, so weird. We blind, we're like we're f. You know the funny thing, Brando, is like when you work for an employer here and you get uh, company provided health insurance. It's the teeth and eyes is like free. You don't even have to sign up. You just get it. Oh, I got another gimmick where I had two jobs in one year, and because they both had different insurance providers, I got two free pairs of glasses. <laughs> So it's like, all right. Oh, man, that is awesome. I did just buy these. Oh. Yeah, dude, that's crazy, though, because, I mean, yeah. we definitely get the impression down south, uh, as you would like to call us, or trash, but I don't know how you say south in French. Uh, I don't either. I don't speak French. Sophie! <laughs> you don't live in the close to the French part, right? Oh, no, not even sort yeah. of close. Well, so I, I think that's interesting, though, how Canada, from us in America, it's the impression of, oh, free healthcare for everything. And, like, you guys probably do have way better healthcare than we do. But then it's like, oh, but teeth and eyes, we just can't get done. And, like, that's not free for us. But it's like if you work for anyone, yeah. for a dollar a month, they'll do everything yeah, yeah, that yeah, they yeah. want <laughs> on your eyes or teeth. <laughs> And yeah, here's here's not the same. The job I have now, we have teeth and eyes, but that's like a new oh, nice. thing. And it's like a they'll cover some things, but not other things. And that's so like, weird. There's like a certain limit that you can go over, and all of the really important stuff that you'd want is like your whole year worth of stuff. Like you need a root canal, okay? Well, now we have to fill the hole that we just drilled in your mouth, and that's not covered. Oh that's yeah. Like, oh no. They're like used car salesmen. What are you gonna do? Like, there's a drill in your yeah. mouth. Oh, my gosh, keep going, right? Like, <laughs> what are you supposed to say? Just do a Ron Perlman at any of the gates. Just bash it out with a hammer and put metal in. <laughs> then you're like Jaws. I wish. I mean, I was gonna go less violent nature and just be like, okay, well, can we just stop? Or all right, can yeah, I yeah, stop? I mean, let's yeah. be honest. Is anyone actually just gonna be like, well, I guess we just take the drill out and patch him up? No, they're yeah. just gonna finish it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're probably right, but I haven't tested that yet. Ooh. Well, now we'll know if Brando's never on CMD Tower again. <laughs> yes. It's because he did test Mr. Combo's theory, and yes, he yeah. is in Canadian jail, which is probably very pleasant. Oh, it's apparently very nice, and you get out right away. <laughs> right back, right back yeah. to murder. Right, right back the to the community. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right back to community. Exactly. It's like, oh, man, I'm glad I killed all those people. I got my teeth fixed. My eyes are all set up. Lifted some weights. 
Yeah. Jesus. I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah, exactly. I'm a new man. Well, guys, if you want Canadian prison workout tips, Brando, how could people find you and your content? Oh, you can find us anywhere you can find a good podcast. Uh, we also have commandercookout.com. It's got links to all of our stuff. Um, also, I'm going to take a second now because it's going to come out a little bit later in the future. We just finished up a Kickstarter, which was 1,000% successful. And Holy nice. shit, that's awesome. I'm, I'm pretty jazzed about that, so I appreciate everybody out there who, who, who supported that. But uh, any other projects that we have coming up in the near future, you can find at commandercookout.com. Commander Cookout, anywhere you find anything, we're there, and we'd be happy to have you. So, two things on that. One, I already have the next idea for your Kickstarter. You oh. guys make charcoal briquettes that have CCO, like, stamped onto it. So people go out there oh, and just fucking grill like Commander Cookout. That's fucking <laughs> hilarious. That'd I love cool. it. I'm into that. And uh, second thing... You know, a lot of us content creators do exclusive, whether it's patron or Kickstarter uh, items. I saw your guys' playmat. It's super sick. Once the Kickstarter is done, if anyone would ever want to get a hold of you guys, can they even get a hold of this product after the Kickstarter is done? Will it be available on a CCO store or an Etsy, or is it just done? Done forever. We had an exclusive shirt and the playmat. They're all, they're all gone now. Nice. Ever. Well, shit, I feel like this gives you the opportunity to plug. Where would people find announcements and patron-like things if in the future they didn't want to miss out on their own Kickstarter from CCO? How could they find your guys' Patreon? That's all. We are at uh, CCO Podcast on Patreon. Uh, or pot, Patreon.com slash CCO Podcast. We're really easy to find. We're good guys to get along with. We have one of the best communities in magic and i'd fight anybody that tells me otherwise and beat him to death the sock with a fucking doorknob in it well and i would I, I wouldn't fucking challenge brando with that because he has a neon cat with maybe a chain tail behind him that's so a, you know that's a painting of the cheshire cat i thought that it would be blacklight because of all the colors i used all looked really blacklight it's not <laughs> it's not it's so cool it's so cool yeah it's just not but can, can, can we get a quick story with this? When you got the thing, did you, like, put a bunch of light on it and be like, oh, yeah, everyone fucking watch this and turn off the lights and do, like, this big epic show? I didn't actually have people over at the time, but I definitely... Normally, actually, in my roof right above me, you can see the glare on my face, I have a black light bulb up there, usually. And uh, I was so excited, and I got it, and I hung it up my wall in the dark, right? Like, I hammered a nail into the wall in the dark, hung my picture, like, this is going to be so dope. And just turn the light on. It was basically just a black rectangle. <laughs> I mean, it, but like end. still, I know you talked about this before. Like you weren't technically alone because all your multiple personalities that were there, like who were also all let down that it wasn't black light too, right? We were all very disappointed. I was going to say it was very, it was a group, it was a group disappointment, right? Yes. Yeah. Like we were all equally disappointed. I feel like I missed this conversation and now I have to ask a very quick question with no explanation. Brando, are you Venom? Yes. All right. All right. Well, if you guys want to support us financially and on uh, Patreon as well, you can head over to ours, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have many different tiers for our patrons. And as much as CCO has the best community out there, according to Brando, I feel like we have the best rewards. We give you guys more crap than I physically have room for in my basement. Redacted bit. So please, redacted bit. Sign up. Uh, but no, just kidding, guys. Seriously, we've expanded our patron rewards. 
a lot. The one that we're most excited for is the community discord to where once every three months we're going to hit up 10 random patrons and give you guys a topic maybe it's life gain maybe it's chicks sitting in chairs maybe it's guys with terrible mustaches i don't know but we're going to give you a thought or idea and you're going to go out there and find a single card that you think is worth communicating to the community about then you have the option to record yourself. We'll play it on air or write a little soliloquy down and Tuck and I read it. We'll review it and move on to the next one. Thought that'd be a great way to get the community expressing their views and opinions while still giving a good feel for CMD Tower. Neat. Now, That's if you, cool. I want that. I, well, you know what? You could thank one of your frenemies, Dana Roach. We uh, sat down for a half hour after recording one day, just brainstormed new ideas, and that was one of the ones he came up with. And I was like, that's pretty sick. That is pretty good, yeah. yeah that's a good one. Yeah. I know. Only steal from the best. <laughs> and then, like guys, <laughs> just like America. <laughs> uh, Bruce of Builds is our deck tech series. Just kidding. Uh, so we do have a referral program. So if you're a part of the collective already and you have someone join, just have them message us on Patreon, letting us know who referred to them. And we're going to hook you up with some sweeter rewards as well, because as much as growing the community off of retweeting, subscribing, there's something to be said about hunting someone down, pinning them and cornering them in a proverbial corner and saying, hey, you should join this podcast. And they're like, why? And they're like, just do it. And they start doing the Ben Aff or the, the Ben Stiller. Do it. Just do it. Do it. Do it. And, and they just kind of harass you until you join. Hey, we want to know who harassed you. So let us know. We're going to hook up whoever your sponsor, original patron was with some pretty cool swag, depending on what tier you signed up for. Now, uh, kind of a redacted bit, but something I want to let everyone know is that we do have our Jund Holiday Sweater for sale. It is 100% combed cashmere, so go out there, buy it. The sizes are going to be limited. I wish we could do it to where it's like we could do any one size, but it's like five of this, six of that, eight of that. Uh, once they're gone, they're gone. We're done. And we have fixed the shipping and the website is running faster, so you shouldn't get those 503 errors at least as consistently. Nice. And the thing I'm most excited about, and a lot of people are excited about, is our new foil playmat. So, Marketing Ross did develop an amazing Constellation Bruise and Builds playmat, where we do have the Bruise and Builds emblems foiled in the middle of the mat. It's only selling for 25 bucks on our store, so go out there, buy it. If you want to pick up one of the sweaters, do that as well. We'll have some coupon codes running in January that you can use, whether it's a free shipping one, whether it's a, hey, you get this, you get this for free, because uh, I will say redacted bit, get the sleeves out of my basement. I'm sorry, Tuck, don't hurt me. I mentioned it. Coward. You, two, two moments of cowardice. Didn't commit to redacted bits and bought some bought one collector's boosters today, Mr. Combo. I know. I'm a pitiful human. I'm a I'm a ba I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man. <laughs> a bad man. Uh, but you know who's not a bad man is T Coats at underscore yeah. T Coats on Twitter. Tyler does all the editing for uh CMD Tower from a video perspective. I believe he holds out commanded ad pop and, and you guys as well on that side. That he, does. Um, he does a lot of stuff in the community. The dude's awesome. He's just great. Seven out of ten at best, but yeah. He's fine. So, guys, Bruce and Bills is our Tech 6 series. <laughs> Since we conquered the path to 32 and talked about some exciting themes EDH can support, we have decided to mix it up for Season 3 with the Chaos Draft. 
So basically what's going to happen today is CCO Brando, Big Tuck, and myself will be fantasy drafting commander decks around a patron-voted legend. Each of us will do the following. Pre-select, in this case, 40 non-land cards because there's three of us instead of two. Flip a coin to see who drafts first, which we already did and we'll get into, and then go round robin until the deck is complete in a snake draft format. Big Tuck, what if Brando picks my soul ring? The other has to, everyone else, all three of us, or all two of us, have to remove it from their draft board. But what about them land? We will be giving the total land count recommended and only talking cards up to the available slots. We will not be talking about basic lands in any way, shape, or form during this very podcast. So now that we have a guest on, we're going to be reducing our limits down to this. The first 17 discussed will be a snake draft, meaning... Whoever won the coin flip will go first, then second, then third, and then whoever went last will go first in that round, first, second, third, all the way down. Then finally, we're going to round out the 22-card-a-person draft with a lightning round. So this will be whoever went first, picks first, second, then third, and then we go back to the person in first, just trying to end the episode before our eyes bleed. So without further ado, let's get brewing Today, we're talking... I don't know why the hell our patron voted on this. I think it's Genius. just so Brando had as many accesses to Brash Taunter as possible. But Zabaz the Glimmer Wisp, Wasp. So, Tuck, why don't you read this card? And then, Brando, when you look at this card, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So, Zabaz the Glimmer Wasp is a one-drop legendary artifact creature insect. That means one colorless mana. That is a zero-zero. For 19 cents, that's uh, rare. As modular one. If a modular triggered ability would put one or more one or one counters on a creature you control, that many plus one, that many plus one, plus one, plus one counters are put on it instead. Red, uh, destroy target artifact you control. White, Zabaz, the Glimmer Wasp gains flying until end of turn. Uh, the only thing I want to say about this is au revoir, Horpagirapur. I really enjoyed you when you were a good card in Tiny Leaders. You really want to know what I thought about this when you stand it to me? You said, Yo, we're yeah, going to do Zabaz. Yeah. We're going to do a Zabaz deck. I said, What the fuck is wrong with those people over at CMD Tower? <laughs> They're going to vote for this. Like, I, love me a, I love me a good meme deck. I love me a good jank piece of trash, but like a 1-1 one, one really bad card that we're going to no, make. No. This is going to be unreal. This is going to be unreal. I, I don't think this is bad, in my opinion. Well, here's the thing, though, Tuck. If anyone plays a don't let enter the battlefields effect happen, this card is unplayable from the command zone. Yeah. It's a 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> Some of us is going to have some removal for that sort of issue. I'm not worried about that. You have a 1-1 one, one with an evasion and multiple abilities for 19 cents? <laughs> People have been talking about Oscar, Alibu's broken. No, 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 no. Zabaz has got the juice on it. And I'm going to tell Jesus. you guys as to why. Okay. I'm, here in a second. I'm excited. I am. I'm pumped to see what you're going to do with it. Cause... Brando, you're just like, this is just jank. What else? What, like... Would you ever build this IRL? That sort of questions. Now that I've actually sat down, and it, honest to you guys, I just sat down for like two and a half or three hours last night coming up with my 40, 
my 40 Wait, cards. Wait, really? Today. Yeah, I this took was a long woof. I put a lot Wait, of Mr. Combat, time. how long did it take you? 30 minutes? I was oh, just saying, man. I was like, now I'm worried. But yeah, no, now, we're, but here's the thing. We now have a guest on for our first Chaos Draft, which is amazing. But then it's like, oh, is Brando going to show how much of a trash we are? Oh, just like we are straight, <laughs> we're not even hefty bags. We're fucking recyclable <laughs> uh, plastic bags from the grocery stores. No, I just needed to take time to think, okay, now we're going to build the boss. It's a, it's a zero, zero for one or a one, yeah. one for one in this case. Like, what's the best way to build a one, one for one is to have people fear that motherfucker so yeah we need to have a zabaz that's going to come into play and people are going whoa shit and the second game you play with this deck instead of people laughing at you they're going to go oh oh shit <laughs> i need i need to grab a better deck because you you do yes. it's too much and we need people to say that so i had to kind of combine i don't know if i i quite got there but you know we're gonna try i think that the deck that we're gonna end up with it. is gonna be real good as long as you guys played ways for us to make mana and remove other people's stuff because I don't have any of that shit. So here's the thing is I built my deck very influenced by the actor Corey Stoll. Everyone knows who he is. Uh, he did play Darren Cross as Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man because when you look at Zabaz, that literally looks oh. like Yellow Jacket, the evil villain from Ant-Man. So how do you make an even evil villain on a mediocre at best legend? How do you make a, a tall, handsome, bald man, Corey Stahl? Well, maybe. Uh, but, you know, the way I did it is that first ability, red, destroy target artifact you control. Well, let's try to figure out a way to thieve and steal and make as many things artifacts on the battlefield as possible, just so I could take it and sacrifice it. So I actually went with my approach as somewhat of a group hug deck. We're using these generic group hug artifacts that usually give this universal effect, and we're gonna do it as long as it does best for us. You know, Yellow Jacket, he was a guy, he was smart. He was a CEO of this billion dollar tech company, Pym Tech or whatever. And he's like, you know what I want to do? I want to enlarge something like, you know, the, the little soldier downtown. He's like, no, my entire body. So I thought it'd be great. Let's have a commander that's going to steal and take resources from people that we believe are our friends. Because that's what Yellow Jacket does. He double crosses. And then... As in Darren Cross, we're going to cross you and sacrifice your artifacts and destroy the things that you hold most dear to your heart. This this is all going to be a nightmare because I found <laughs> one card. I have found I found one card during my research. It's like, wait a minute. I think this is really good in this deck. And then I was like, oh, no. Oh, this is this is all going. This is all going sideways. This is all going to crazy town. So and it has nothing to do with any of that. But it, it was inspired by Ultra Budget Brews, another favorite one of our old, uh, another favorite guest on the show. So I can't wait. This is going to be the one, I think. I think this is going to be the draft that breaks us. We're going to be here for four <laughs> hours. We're all showing up late to our jobs tomorrow because <laughs> we're too busy arguing about what's going in and what's not. I'm so, so excited. Here, here's what we'll do first. Let's talk about Zabaz from just a high level. Um, using a very famous site, you guys may have heard about it, edhrec.com. Uh, Zabaz does have 575 decks made. What? And How? it is How? the Outside number. Of the Weatherlight Report? And it is number 401 from a ranked legend perspective. So I'm going to start with Brando. Brando, does that shock you? Yes. 
Well, no, because people love going to Meme Town, and that's what this. Deck oh, that's is. true. Right, like you build this deck as a joke that's secretly really good. You build a deck that's white and red that doesn't give a shit about its command zone, and you throw Zabaz in there just to like make people go, like, "What are you doing?" And you go, "I don't know, maybe it's modular tribal, or no, it's not." I want to modify what Brando just said. It's like, ooh, it's this like modular deck. We should probably like look at it. I think it's more like, ooh, he's playing Boros. He might as well yeah. be playing colorless. Just ignore him. And that's how you sneak it in. People are like, oh, you're playing the worst colors of magic? I'm going to pound you in pound town. And then you maybe sting them for infect? I don't know. A one-drop commander that you can potentially win with command damage in? In Boros? Sure. Does it get better than that? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Feather. Yes. Oh, also, no, it gets way better than this because if tiny leaders existed, I this would be the best deck that they had ever printed. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the other stats, because I do love this about EDHREC.com, and people actually ignore it, is the average type distribution, because they do pull data from decks. So it gives you an idea of what the average deck that they build is. It usually has 33 lands, 34 creatures, 7 instants, 5 sorceries, 15 artifacts, 4 enchantments, and 1 planeswalker. So 15 I 15 artifacts?! <laughs> What? I just want I want I want everyone listening to just kind of keep that in your mind because at the end of the episode when we give you our deck statistics it'd be very interesting to see how the average community comes to versus three moron content creators yeah. that just kind of made some bullshit. Two of which are wearing glasses. One of which just had to go get dental surgery done, <laughs> and, both, and all three of which are trying to beat the American insurance, the North American insurance company. Yeah, so this is gonna be great. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. All right, well, let's get into this deck tech or this chaos draft, as some people would say. And Brando, I'm very scared. What is your pick one, round one? Let me answer your question with a question, sir. Does this deck have red in it? Yeah. Is our commander totally medium, possibly not very good at winning on its own? Oh, I would say that is strong. That is strong. It's a very strong commander. No, wait, no, no, no. Wait. Oh, no, Brado, sorry. You have to pause. Tuck, you shut the hell up. You know I didn't mean strong as a good commander. I meant strong and is strongly mediocre. You knew that. You tried to twist my words. Damn you, politician. <laughs> Damn you. So we got a medium commander. With red in it, you gotta know that the first thing you stick in the deck because you want it to be able to win eventually is the strongest, most handsomest, most versatile card in all of Magic the Gathering, Brash Taunter. And we all that know that. Number one, no, no questions asked. I'm so upset. I didn't even take a second to think about it. As soon as you guys said, yo, we're doing Zibaz, I'm like, yeah, Brash Taunter. He immediately goes in that deck. Like, have you guys ever built a deck with Zibaz in it? Rate it out for the home crowd. Brash Taunter is a 1-1 for red 4, so we're off to a good start. Goblin, whenever Brash Taunter is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponent. Red 2, tap. Brash Taunter fights another target creature. Also important to note, he is indestructible. And also to note that we have talked, I have talked about this on the cast, I love the flavor text of, you hit like a kobold. Come on. Come on, Brando. You hit like a kobold. God, why do you sound like some, like, grandma at the slot machines? Hey, Brando, you love getting hit by the kobold, don't you? Also, 
for those playing the home game, Mr. Combo just went and got another drink. It, this is the episode, guys. We're doing it. Except the funny thing is I got my green screen on and my bottles are green, so you can't really see them. Mr. Brando, back to you. That, that's that was that's, that's my whole pick. I'm going to get into why he's so good later on in the episode, but essentially this guy turns all of your opponent's most giant, biggest beaters into things that just kill them instead. You want me to attack you with my 30-30 without trample? Sweet. I'll block it. I'll fight it. I'll kill the guy to the, that's sitting next to you, and then I'll, I'll kill you with your own guy. And I honestly haven't seen people do it like that. That's pretty cool. Yo, Brash yeah. Taunter is a house. He is a house. Evidently, the Magic Verse agrees with you because it's $2.46 for a bulk rare out of 21. Right? That card is so damn good. And as soon as anybody plays with it or against it, they're immediately like, oh, man. I fear and respect that card. I should probably pick one up and put it in a deck for a reason because it's so damn good. So I'm here for the card because part of my strategy, as I talked about, is leveraging that red destroy target artifact uh, from Zabaz. And eventually, and it's not so much of the destroy effect, it's more just like I need the thing to die. So having oh, the two yeah. colorless red tap and have it fight another target creature, there are a lot of ways to make artifacts creatures. And make them not very good. And so Brash Taunter for three could also help fuel the I'm killing the thing that I stole from you with my Taunter, dealing you damage and just making you weep many, many tears. I love tears. River of Tears. Well, Tuck, what would be your round one pick two? Well, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I Even though I, I'm kind of playing a middle ground of all the different things, which we'll get into, but I do like this modular idea. And what's better than a big old baby modular cat arc bound mouser. It's one white <laughs> mana for zero zero lifelink creature with modular one. Uh, and, but here's the best part. The flavor text on this, Mr. Combo, I knew you'd appreciate this. My pack one, pick one, pick. It doesn't purr. It hums. Jesus. I want him. I want him in my house. Uh, I want him in the deck. This, these mo this modular ability does play into the commander. It is important. And I think where you guys are going to start slowly seeing, it doesn't matter the modular as much as the counters that are on the creature. So the fact sure. that you have a lifelinker that you can block, that you'll be able to bring back from the graveyard with a gazillion different Boros reanimation spells. He's my little baby bubble cat. That's all I got to say about it. <laughs> I can't believe you did it. I'm upset that you put a cat in the deck. <laughs> I went deep into this and I saw this and I was like, yes, there's no question. This is it. <laughs> Where else are you going to get Arcbound Mouser? Round one pick. It's a baby bubble cat. Never anywhere else will you hear this. Never. You will get it nowhere else. Oh my gosh. Well, my round one pick one is very spicy. Uh, I talked about earlier how I wanted to have some sort of theme of how I'm stealing my opponent's artifacts and repurposing them so I can sacrifice them. So Gauntlets of Chaos is just the Ooh. best 5th edition card I could find for $0.27 cents or for the Legends version, $23. You know, nothing like a good 1,000% price difference. So we're talking five colorless artifact. It's a rare. It states, pay five colorless, sat gauntlets of chaos, exchange control of target artifact creature or land you control, and target permanent an opponent controls that shares one of those types with it. If those permanents were exchanged this way, destroy all auras attached to them. 
So one of the ways that artifacts can really be leveraged in Commander is like, hey, I'm going to sack it, I'm going to put it to the yard, it's super easy for me to bring it back, and I'm going to do it again. Well, how are you supposed to get your opponent's artifacts? Well, I mean, you just might have to sacrifice your own Gauntlet of Chaos and then pay another 5 mana. So it'd be 10 mana just to take one of the things from your opponents. But you know what? We're Group Hug. You're giving them something back as well. So it's not so hurtful, right? It never is. It's a free one. I love it. I love it. I don't know if I trust you, combo number five. I don't know. If you're oh, you should. You're just there. now figuring that out? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, you absolutely should never trust me because me kicking off round two, pick one. Let's just say uh should never trust those you believe are on your side. Uh, I think Confusion of the Ranks would be great for this deck. <laughs> what? Lost your mind. Three colorless red red enchantment. It's a rare for four bucks. Whenever an artifact creature or enchantment ETBs, its controller chooses target permanent. Another player controls it, shares a card type with it, exchange control of those permanents. Yes, we talked about this in a past. I believe it was say yes to the deck episode. I think it was. Yes, it absolutely was. I, I believe that was for Dana. Um, it's a very cool card, but I think with this. Let's think about it, guys. Zabaz says pay a red, sack an artifact, or destroy an artifact you control. Well, it's kind of hard to take everyone's shit when you're not in blue. Well, what, is, what does red and white do very well? Make token artifacts. Well, if I make a billion tokens, I can take all of your non-token stuff, give you my tokens, and then I'll sack it all. Because I just want the game to be fair. I just want this to be a fair game of magic. I want everyone to go home having a lot of fun. And I believe Confusion in the Ranks with Zabaz does that. I mean, I like Confusion in the Ranks a lot. I have had a lot of tables scoop up to Confusion in the Ranks. <laughs> really? Yeah, I played it. I played a Norn the Wary, dude. Like, you don't know oh, people who are, in, who are just Norn the Wary is Tux Jam. You want to see people be in physical pain? Confusion in the Ranks, Norn the Wary, baby. That's that's how you get them there. Tuck, why don't you run this in your Norn the Wary deck? Because it's a Perforos deck that has Norn the Wary in it. And it should also have Confusion of the Ranks in it, baby. I feel that Come too. On, man. I don't know. You know. You know I'm right, Big Tuck. You know I'm right. You know I am. All right, Tuck, what is your round two pick five? This was one that was deep. It plays in all three of our decks very well. It's a new card that's kind of slowly becoming a budget uh, Mana Rock staple. And that is Liquid Metal Torque. So, or Tuke. So two colorless for an artifact, it's 73 cents. That's an uncommon. Tap, add for a mana. Tap, target non-land permanent becomes an artifact in addition to its other types until end of turn. So it turns on your artifact synergies. It turns on your mana ramp. And then also it turns things into artifacts just in case someone's trying to get sneaky with something around Confusion in the Ranks, even if they want that. You can steal a creature, turn it into an artifact, blow it up. You can steal a creature and turn it into a... Something we'll get into a little bit later. It does kind of everything that I feel like an artifact wants. This for me, if you're playing an, an artifact deck, this is like a borderline staple to have that plays even into your guys's permanent, even into the two themes that we've seen already. You ever had a treasure token come into play and you use your liquid metal torque to turn their Gaia's cradle into an artifact and then just swap it? Because that feels there you really go. See, good. Ex exactly, oh, that's just so exactly. mean. That is just so <laughs> yes, mean. Yes, that is yes, so mean. In Confusion in the ranks, baby. That's why. It, that's why it's there. That's why it exists. Oh my god, Tuck, like did that. you just break my, like, funny card? Because I think you did. This was 
pick 39 on my list. And as soon as you said this, like, I was like, yes, here we go. Let's roll, baby. Oh, my God. All right, Brando, why don't you roll with round two, pick six? Well, as I am just going to bulldozer ahead with my plan for right now, because I have some specific <laughs> things that need to go in this deck. <laughs> Stuffy doll. We have a brash taunter. So what, what do you need when you have a brash taunter, but a blazing sun steel? You guys ever played blazing sun steel before? The fuck is that? Oh, yeah. The, from, uh... From one of the pre-cons. Yeah, yeah dude. So what Blazing Sunsteel does is, and just give me a second, I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to read it to you. There it is. Blazing Sunsteel is an artifact for red one equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus oh for each opponent you have. Oh, that's pretty nice. Whenever equipped creature is dealt damage, it deals that much <laughs> damage to target thing, and it equips for four. So here's oh how this God. works, everybody. You equip your Blazing Sunsteel to your Brash Taunter. And essentially what that means is you don't have a creature that says... The next time this creature takes damage, you win the game. Because Brash Taunter takes one damage, it deals one damage to somebody's face, and then the sword deals one damage to it, which makes it wait, deal one damage wait, to somebody's face. It wouldn't it have to have one trample? Damage to itself. No, because it Brash Taunter doesn't need trample combo number five. He's the most powerful, versatile, sexy creature in all of magic. You give him a blazing sunsteel, hit him for one, and he just makes you fucking win. And that's what decks like this need. Two-card infinite damage combos that come out of fucking nowhere. What's funny, normally when Mr. Combo and I do this, we like sandbag each other on how the deck actually wins until like the later, until the later picks. No. You're like, no, no, fuck that. Fuck that. We're yeah. doing it right here. Two cards, pick one, pick two. Exactly. Oh you my God. Bonkers. And while Brash Taunter is good on his own, Blazing Sunsteel is also good in this deck because it makes Zabaz big. And if you're going to swing in with your big dude and they're going to block it with a bigger dude, they will still take some damage, which is important when your commander is a 1-1. Well, uh, Tuck, I've never had to do this live on air before, but I'm officially uh, doing a veto rule that that had to be completely redacted out because I cannot let our community hear about that because I will just be trolled by Blazing Sunsteel <laughs> and <laughs> Brash Haunter for the rest of my days. And I can't have it. I will literally set everything on fire. <laughs> I don't know what oh that means. Oh my god, this is terrifying. That's so good, man. The, the, the first time you pull the combo off and explain it to somebody, they're like, well, how does that even work? It's, well, well, you're dead. Yeah, you're, you're dead now, is how it works. And then they ask you to explain it to them, and you do it, and like, oh yeah, I guess I'm dead now. But and like, how does it yeah. how does it spread apart? Because it doesn't say, like, you could divide it as any way you choose. No, because Brash Taunter does the damage, because that's what Brash Taunter does. And then Blazing Sunsteel does damage, because that's what Blazing Sunsteel does. Except Sunsteel can target the Brash Taunter, which just makes it keep going and going in a loop. It's so good, man. I'm telling you. It's oh so good. Oh my god. I'm and so upset. In our fact, deck, nonetheless, Mr. Combo is uh, the goad, uh, single Aeron. Don't tune into this episode. <laughs> well, let's go to round three, pick seven, and Brando, how are you going to ruin my life now? Well, now that I just put in a super abusive infinite combo because I'm trash, I'm going to go with something that actually abuses the commander itself, and I'm going to go with Blade of Selves. Oh, yeah. Now, we all know Blade of Selves. It's an equipment. Or I think it's two, right? Yeah, it's yep. two, to, two to put into play, four to equip. The equipped creature has Myriad, and Myriad when the creature attacks. You get a copy of it for each opponent you have, and that copy is attacking one of those opponents. Now you put it on Zabaz, he's legendary, so you're going to get two 
Zabaz the Glimmer Wasps that are both legendary, thus they will die immediately, and they both have Modular 1, which means your original Zabaz that's swinging in is going to get all right. counters from each yeah, copy right. of him that have died, plus an additional counter because from each one of them that have died, because... That's how Zabaz works. Yeah, so get now you four swing counters on every attack. And your 1-1 one, one is now a 5-5, five, five, and then a 9-9, nine, nine, et cetera, et cetera. I like that. That's, that's yeah. sexy. That's cute. That's like, cute. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say this. It's, bucks, it's, but... it's way sexier than your blazing sunsteel bullshit where you're just trying to make me go weep into <laughs> open packs of cards that I've lost money into. Yes, I do have a depression <laughs> pile, and it's filled with uh, M20 and M21. <laughs> so, Tuck, what would be you're, your... You're an, you're an animal. What uh, would be your round three... Pick what is that eight B? I've I've lost track of this life. Just keep drinking the soju, baby. Yeah, man. Uh, this is the one that I'm wagering to guess is on your list as well, Mister Combo. Uh, new card recent to this year: Oswald Fiddlebender. Nope. What? <sighs> what? Yeah. Okay. I'm actually shocked by that, to be honest with you. So it's a birthing pod for artifacts. Colorless in a blue, or sorry, colorless in a white for a two-two legendary creature, gnome artificer. Relevant, relevant in this deck. Magical Tinkering. Pay pay one white. Tap. Sack an artifact. Search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrificed artifact's mana value. Put it in the battlefield, then shuffle. Activate only as a sorcery. So, Mister, this plays a lot in the my version of the deck where these modular creatures come in. You can load them up with with counters. Um, maybe not. You sacrifice them, they, the modular triggers, you dump them onto the Zabaz, you steal an opponent's creature, you turn it into an artifact, and then you sacrifice it, go get a better artifact out of it. This has a lot of value into it in a two-drop that no one's really going to see coming. It does suck that it's only once per turn because it's sorcery speed only, yep. but for three mana to be able to go tutor for a five-drop five, a five artifact, a seven-drop artifact on turn three or four. Seems like it's got a lot of juice into it, depending on how you want to play the game. So before Brando gives us thoughts, I have a couple things. One, I hope we see Magical Tinkering again. Oh, wait, no, we won't, because it's only in this fucking Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, second, if you... defended you, that deck. By the way, <laughs> if, if anyone here pulled a Oswald Fiddlebender with the uh, Dungeons & Dragons imprint, Apersand. it's worth $100. Yeah, Bonkers. Hundred American dollars. Yes, that could get you barely brunch at IHOP, but that's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> uh, one, one, I didn't open one of those. Two, I love the Dungeons and Dragons sets because I'm a huge nerd. Oh, and yeah. three, uh, I never even thought of Oswald Fizzlebender in this deck. And I'm happy that one of you guys did, because that's awesome. I think yeah. that's a solid pick, man. That's fucking cool. And, and you know what, Tuck? Like we always talk about, he and I, Brando, we do not trade notes. About the only thing we ever trade notes on is, like, hey, if we're doing a traditional episode, it's just like, hey, like, okay, maybe this is the one deck I haven't seen you play. Here's the deck, yeah. Yeah, what is the deck? Or it would be the deck therapy or say yes to the deck where it's like either one of us is saying, build this for me, shock me, or this is an idea I want, let's build it together. So this whole, like, collaboration doesn't really happen, and I'm going to say, Tuck, 
Oswald Fiddlebender is totally what I'm trying to do for my strategy. It's not on your list? And it's not on my list. That was shocking. That, as That's soon as you're, amazing. Like, you're stealing stuff, it was shocking to me. <laughs> Well, let's get into my round three pick nine. It's pretty basic. It's just, we need it. Mirror Battle Sphere. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, seven colorless artifact creature mirror construct. It's a rare. You can get one for as cheap as 34 cents, which is pretty great considering how powerful of a card it is. When it ETBs, uh, create four 1-1 one, one colorless mirror artifact creature tokens. It's a 4-7 itself. And then it states whenever Mirror Battlesphere attacks, you may tap X, untapped mirror you control. If you do, Mirror Battlesphere gains plus X plus zero until end of turn and deals X damage to the player or Planeswalker it's attacking. Traditionally, and I'll actually be interested because you guys have two very differing opinions in mine. Mirror Battlesphere for me usually gets played in a Blink or Token deck. One of the two. You're trying to abuse it's etb as much as possible because let's be honest it's etb is insanely powerful making right, yep. uh, basically uh if you just wanted to add them together what's that 11 8 11 8 power 11 toughness off seven mana is very very strong with the even stripped down from their five creatures for seven right? yes yes so it is very very strong but the difference i think with this deck is you're looking for as many ways to destroy or have an artifact die on your battlefield as possible and so the confusion in the ranks you play this hey who has the five best artifacts on the battlefield oh let me take these three and you know what i don't really care about your soul ring or your arcane signet so i'll keep my mirror battlesphere in one mirror that's insane value if it's the, I'm doing the Goblin Bombardment, not one of my picks, but maybe that is. That's insane value because you get a lot with this. I just think Mirror Battlesphere in a deck that cares about artifacts in a wide sense really makes good, I don't know, let's call it a good business decision. This is like one of the premier top-end artifact cards. If you care about, like Mr. Combo said, sacking artifacts, having artifacts to sacrifice, that sort of thing. Like this is a card that can win on its own, provides piles of value. I didn't put it on my list because I knew one of you guys was going to. We'll take so it. You know we're trash yeah, bags. Is, we're trash bags. So we get so it. Good. Let's talk about how good this card is with Blade of Cells, which we've already got in the deck. Because you're going to attack and you're making more mirrors now. And you're, right? How cool is that yeah. also? Confusion in the ranks? Not a may, sir. Brando. Not a may. Let, let's put this on you real quick. Let's put a little CCO juice on a CMD Tower episode. Ooh. Blade of Selves. Is this a auto-include, or what we would call staple? And when we say staple at CMD Tower, I mean it goes in every single deck. Do you put Blade of Selves in any deck that has a ETB make a shit ton of creatures. Just even if it's a one-off. Say you run Avenger of Zendikar in a deck. It's like, do you run Blade of Selves in there? Because the value you could get off that one trigger is so game-breaking that you just can't not do it. It's almost there, and what keeps yeah. it off of staple status for me is it's one of those cards that if you play it too much... People are gonna see it coming, yeah. And it's just oh, a mag. Sure. It's yeah. just a magnet for removal, and that's like a that's a meta game call where you're playing with the same people all the time. The more people they see your yeah. deck, the more they're gonna kill that thing. But if you want to just squash people, you just want to quietly pub stomp a table, a blade of selves, and just a deck that has just general cool like ETB or auto like Steve, Sakura Tribe Builder. 
put a plane of selves on it. You're getting two extra forests every turn. Right. You still have a Sakura yeah. Tribe Elder, right? Like, there's so much just unrelenting value you can get off of a Blade of Selves that's left unchecked. I've heard, that, to your point, the argument of, like, Blade of Selves, like, because uh, Helm of the Host is a powerful called people say, yep. but most of the time people are like, but if you care about what's happening when the creature enters the battlefield, Blade of Selves is just better, Yeah. right? Like, if you don't care about what happens the next turn, then go with that, so. Helm of the Host, everybody knows, oh, they're going to get their commander, and we got to kill that. Whereas with Blade right. of Selves, it's like, hey, it costs six to copy things. How good can it be? and then you're dead. I guess where my mind goes with Blade of Selves, actually, this is very great dialogue, is I think Helm of the Host is a better fit in decks when the thing that you care about doing the thing with is a legendary creature. Just inherently. It's just, you know what? It's legendary, and I need two Breas. I don't know what monster yeah. you are, but that's what you are. <laughs> and you say you need two Breas. Versus, I think Blade of Selves works better in decks that all they care about is the ETB. They don't necessarily care that they have three of the same creature. So, even in, in my Brea example, you could run that in a Brea deck. Because it's like, honestly, I just want the Thopters. I don't care about the extra Breas. Just get rid of them. I just want to have this in here to make me extra Thopthops. And I'm good with that. And this is from a deck that we need to do soon because I have it online, Mr. Combo. Hazazon Tamar, Helm of the Host, terrible. Blade of Selves, incredible. Yep, <laughs> absolutely insane. So, well, let's go to round four, pick 10. And yes, I am losing track of how I can do things in my Excel document. We're talking about Treasure Nabber. Oh, it's so good. Here's it's the thing, so though. Good. Brando... I'm going to say this to you because I've told this stuck many times. Okay. When this card got previewed, I was like, bonkers, broken, going to be played in every deck that can run red. I can't find a home for it. But you know what? I think we found a home here. So, Treasure Nabber, two colorless red. Brando already wants to like be like, how do you have a not find a home for anywhere else? I could see it. We're going to get there. Creature <laughs> Goblin Rogue Rare, 3-2. Whenever an opponent taps an artifact for mana, gain control of that artifact until end of turn. Or end of the next turn. So, here's my issue with Treasure Nabber. It's not Dockside Extortionist. Is that it? Is that the it's thing? not. It's not. <laughs> and, and yes, yeah. we'll be talking about that later. Uh, but no. The biggest issue I have with Treasure Nabber is on its face, it does nothing. It literally cannot impact the game on its own. It needs your opponents to make modal decisions, as we talk a lot about on our channel, to help you make the value work. Now, some people would argue, well, people are just going to tap their artifacts. They're not going to care if you have Treasure Nabber and could use it for a turn. Well, I would like to educate people on cards like Smothering Tithe. Because Smothering Tithe, you could argue, literally doesn't do anything unless people draw extra cards. What does everyone do? Draw extra motherfucking cards. And now with Treasure Nabber, what do people most likely do? They actually don't tap mana rocks. Yeah. A lot of people actually like go get the lands. Yeah. Well, no, they more get the lands. They get the mana reducers. That's kind of where magic has evolved right. to. So I think Treasure Nabber would have been a cool card 10 years ago, but in today's day and age, it's a little outdated. But in this deck, the fact that it can take the artifacts, when they get tapped for mana, you get to play the group hug things, where it's like, hey, your creatures can tap for mana. You get to, hey... Tap your thing. I'm just here to be a group hug deck. If you truly play this as a Zabaz group hug, 
people aren't going to see Treasure Nabber as a, that's a mean card. It's more of a, hey, I get it. Brando just has to do what he got to do because he's doing Brash Taunter <laughs> Boros. Don't piss on the guy's parade. Let him have your turn. Have Let him have your soul ring for a turn. And you know what? Here's what does it great, guys. One red destroys an artifact you control. That's what pushes this card from a C to an A plus S in this deck. Well, my point to it, though, is that, and I think Brando would like this gameplay, and Tuck, you would as well, to where it's like, hey, I got your soul ring. And they're like, oh my god, he's going to blow it up. And it's like, I just tapped it for two, equip skull clamp. Hey, you can have it back. And they're like, wait. What? You're not blowing up our artifacts? It totally tricks everyone into going into your mindset. Out. But they aren't. Here's the Miles away. Tuck, Tuck, I'm telling you, and then we'll pass it over to Brando. If people suss out a thing and you never do the thing, there's nothing to suss. It's just what the facts are. So if your all your gameplay is I am group hug and I'm taking the the bad things from our opponents and destroying them and giving everyone things, people can't call you sus. That's just facts. Slam dunk pick S tier card in this deck. That's all I have to say. Brando, how do you feel about that? Treasure Nammer is an excellent card. I think it just doesn't see as much play one because it's scarce and it's not good enough to warrant the cost. The, the monetary cost of Treasure Nabber. Yes, I would agree with that. Because it hasn't been reprinted enough, so it's expensive. And it's just, it's not Dockside Extort. Yeah. And that's why I think you don't see this as much. But in a deck like this, again, let's go back to some other cards that are in the deck. You know what we're playing is a liquid metal torque that turns artifacts into mana. Or into, or mana into artifacts. So if somebody has a land, I don't know, that taps for a green for every creature they control it. So let's just keep using that example. Well, it's an artifact now. Would you like to tap your guy as Cradle Mr. Elf Ball deck? Well, of course I do, thanks. And then you yeah. take it from them. <laughs> right? Like, that's the kind of thing that you can do in this deck, and then you can use your Liquid Metal Torg to fucking kill it. Right? Like, so it's cool, and I think that Treasure Nabber is excellent in this deck, and it can be a beater. It's a 3-2, right? Like, it's not small. Yeah, that's true. And it does work. And if people are just, they don't trust you because you're sketch as hell, they're just not going to tap their artifacts for fear that you're going to kill them, which is awesome because you've turned half of their acceleration off because they can't use their signets and their saw rings no more. You make a lot of great points. And I think how I want to end all of these segments where Brando disagrees with me or disagrees with Tuck is put him in a uh, Salvala's Choice type situation. <laughs> Uh, Brando <laughs> mentioned Treasure Napper probably doesn't see the play because it's three mana. It's like almost 1050 from a monetary yeah. value U.S. American dollar since. $35 Canadian. Two <laughs> mana, $64 American is Dockside Extortionist. Do you think Dockside is three, no, sorry, over six times the monetary value and a 50% CMC increase worth it versus Treasure Napper. Yes or no? 100%. Really? Dockside Extortionist is so much better than Treasure Napper. It doesn't even make sense. If you're going to be like, which one of these two cards are you going to play in a deck where you physically own them and have them in your hands at the same time and you can only play one, you will 100% of the time play Dockside Extortionist. And that is why you don't see Treasure Napper, I would argue, enough. I mean, I would say people would say the same thing with Mana Crypt versus Thran Dynamo, but yeah. I think that's actually a very interesting topic to be like, hey, what's the monetary and CMC increase or decrease to make you play a card? Because I, I am someone that's like, 
I think for me, Dockside would have to be, it's two mana and no more than $25 for me to do it over Treasure Napper at 10 for three. Because that's so much money. This is a whole nother discussion it about Dockside versus anything else. So Big Tuck, give us your round four Pick 11. Everyone's kind of sussed out their little mini game that we're trying to play here. So I figured I'd, I'd do mine as well. So Energy Chamber. Oh, Have you guys ever yeah. heard of this card? Yes, I, I have. It's on my list. Ooh. Hey, oh, it's on Brandon's yeah. list? Mark it off, baby. Can't talk about it. Energy Chamber. Two colorless for an artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one. Put a 1-1 one, one counter on target artifact creature. Or don't even worry about this it. This is so weird. I love it. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Um, I'll, I'm just going to speed through this last part because it, it certainly isn't going to be brought up at any point later. Or put a charge counter target on a creature. I don't know. Like, whatever. Like, charge counters don't do anything. Yeah. We're playing a modular deck, right? Modular yeah. only cares about plus one, plus one counters, right? So, at the beginning of your turn for two mana, you can dump mana. Turn two, you go your commander, this. Then next turn, you have a 3-3 three, three, or a 2-2 two, two <laughs> commander at least. Minus all the other things. And then there's something, there's some other text of this card that may or may not matter at a later point in the game. So uh, for for 79 cents, you're 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 buffing your team. What's what more do you want? It's incredible. It's a great card. Uh, this card absolutely allows you to put an aether vial, uh, a colorless artifact. It's a rare, but at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on aether vial. Tap it. You may put a creature card with cover mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on aether vial from your hand onto the battlefield. Seems like the only thing this card is good for. And I now pass all thoughts and comments to Brando from oh. Commander Cookout oh. Podcast. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Combo, you, it's just, just you wait, baby. Just you wait. Energy Chamber is just, it, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it. It's just a solid card in this deck for every reason that Big Tuck said. It makes our modular creatures bigger, yep. so when they eat shit, it's going to make another creature bigger. <laughs> and, it, and it feeds directly into the next card I'm going to pick. So I'm very happy that this got added to the deck and I didn't have to do it. Oh, let's hear it, God. Well, let's go what, round what four, pick 12. What do you got? Have you, you guys ever heard of the Ozolith? Oh, my gosh. I love this <laughs> yes, card. Brando, I'm not kidding you, man. This has become my next uh, uh, Altar of the Brood because there's so many decks that you just don't realize deal with counters that the Ozolith for one mana, just why the fuck wouldn't you put it in if you just have it? Yeah. Please tell people why you want it. It's so good. The Ozolith, one mana, legendary artifact. Whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, doesn't die, it just leaves. So if you blink it, it gets exiled, whatever. If it had counters on it, you put those same counters on the Ozolith. At the beginning of combat on your turn, all the counters from the Ozolith go to target creature. So, like, let's just say in the example I used earlier of Blade of Selves, right? You're going to swing into the Blade of Selves, you're going to get two more Zabazes, they're both going to eat shit. Put four counters on your Zabaz, but they're also going to put two counters on your Ozolith. So next time you go to combat, those two counters are going to go over to uh, Zabaz, and then you're going to make two. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, it's stupid. And if your Zabaz gets killed, all of, the, <laughs> all of the work, worth $14, because all the work that you've done is going to get put onto the Ozolith. And then you're not starting back, oh, I got this 1-1, one, one, I got to swing yep. in and do more work and get more value. It's like, okay, I've replayed my 1-1 one, one for three now, and some of my hard work is just put back onto my creature. I think the Ozolith is so good here. Here's the thing, Brando, that we haven't even talked about that's a very next-level meta thought. 
If you're playing a commander deck, Elder Dragon Highlander, for you people that just randomly came across us on hopefully not Pornhub, that'd be weird, but you know, weirder things have happened. <laughs> They time traveled back to Zanga 20, 2004 and were like, this is the <laughs> format I want to play. But the thing is, when you when you build a commander deck out of a legendary insert type creature, and the reason I do that is like, hey, it's a Planeswalker. I know there's not Planeswalker creatures, but you guys know what I'm getting at. Planeswalker, yeah. enchantment, artifact, land. Whenever you have something added to your subtype as your commander that puts more inherent risk on your creature. Hey, destroy target land. Well, my creature is a land, so it gets destroyed. The most common thing, and the reason I could speak to this, is I did try to build a, a uh, Scarecrow deck with Planeswalkers at its helm with Reaper King, is Artifacts. Artifacts is the easiest type to be removed in all of Magic. So what, yep. what we're talking about here completely puts a whole nother thought onto it to where like the whole you know for me i don't try to go all into the artifact side of it i was trying to do a little bit extra but you know what like throwing four plus one plus one counters and zabaz doesn't mean nothing yeah. or you know the energy chamber doing what it does it doesn't mean nothing so if you're going to build a commander with some sort of inherent downside like that, we could even use the running joke of it's three or less toughness, it's lightning bolt range. Have a lot of ways in your deck to be able to keep it safe, keep it alive, and keep your strategy going. Because nothing could be more frustrating, and this is speaking from experience, of building a deck with a commander that you need to function, but you just didn't build any ways to protect it because you wanted to go all into a theme or a bit. And then somebody puts your Euro the Mist Stalker on the bottom of your deck back on the Tuck Rule was the way it was, and your whole deck sucks. Yeah. You, you literally can't play anymore. And that's why the Ozolith yeah, is so great, yeah. is everyone blows yeah. up all your shit, and it's just like, well, I guess I'll move my 15 counters over to the Ozolith. And in theory, guys, if you're really building a deck with an artifact legend, you probably have ways to make it hexproof and destructible, some ways to where the Ozolith won't get blown up. We got stuff to do with those counters, Mr. Combo. Oh, oh, well, round five, oh. pick 13. What you got, Brando? Well, I'm gonna take a little step off of what I've been what I've been doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna try something a little different, and I'm gonna say agitator ant. Oh my god. <laughs> right? Agitator ant is a two two for red and two at the beginning of your end step each player each player may put up to two or i guess put two put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control all of those creatures get goaded which means they can't they have to attack but they can't attack you unless you're the only person left and it's the same reason why we play the ozolith it's going to give us more counters and in this case it's also going to make all of your opponent's creatures have to be swinging out and going going heckin' crazy, right? Because they're usually going to put those counters on their beaters or their battleships or whatever, and now they're they're not swinging at you? That's some group hug shit, combo number five. <laughs> That's some group hug shit. So here's the thing I love about this is, uh, first off, uh, Brando, I'm a terrible speller, so I did put it in our Discord. So if you want to copy and paste into Scryfall. Uh, guys, I typed in Agitator Ant, and yes, I did get Agitator Ant, but I got it in, I believe, French. Uh, French. For <laughs> me, Agitatrasi. French. Agitre bleu de frotte et tape de la fin. For someone who writes as many emails and requests for proposals as Mr. 
Mr. Kamo does. His, his typing spelling is a Chaque jour court, pe matre, dur, makur, plus one, plus one, as su orne critero, ki ora controle, it's in days, shakur de la clitera, se colecolo, diris mukurus. I've lost it. I don't know where I'm going from yeah, here. Yeah. I, I tried to go yeah, as far as I could. You're mom, bro. Welcome to the first three hour long <laughs> episode. It's coming up. Uh, but yes, Agitator Ant, Brando, Solid. to your point, that, that's actually a card that got previewed. We were very interested as a local play group about it because yeah. we have a lot of friends that are into the goad thing. The only thing we didn't like about this is the fact that it's very specific. Beginning of your incept, each player may put two plus plus two or plus one plus ones on a counters on a creature they control. Go to each creature that had counters put on it this way. It's that last sentence where they only get goaded if they had counters put on it. I don't know. Like, just could you give us like a little 30 seconds minute insight? Have you been able to play Agitator Ant? And has that condition not been as big of a deal as maybe I think it is? Yes, I have. And no, it's not. And here's why. Whenever I play a card like this, I always just, I play it as part of my strategy. Like, Okay. Sure. I'm playing it because I want to put two plus one plus one counters on my ship. And if anybody else wants to do it, fine. Because they're not going to attack me. And if they are going to attack me, I've had a whole turn cycle to be like, okay, that 7-7's seven, coming for me next time. I gotta have something to, to do with it. Or I gotta make my creature that I've been pumping this whole game be bigger than that one. Or, or whatever. So it definitely, or in my experience, it keeps the heat off of me while at the same time progressing my board by making my dude that I need to be bigger, bigger. It's like a Orzov Ad Advocus, but like slightly more narrow. Well, I was about to say Orzov Advocus is, I would argue, way better because it goes their entire board. I agree. It's just more narrow. Yeah. So then, Brando, would you say in your experience that yeah. the creature that they're loading the counters on never comes back to bite you? From time to time, it might. But if the creature is a big enough threat that I'm actually afraid of that, it's going to be a big enough Fair. threat to everybody else. Where it's like, okay, now we gotta we gotta team up and kill that thing or whatever. <laughs> Nobody's gonna be like, oh, Brando gave us all a benefit and made that huge threat a thing. I'm gonna kill him and let that giant beater come in and just wreck me. Nobody <laughs> ever says that. They always say, okay, well let's kill that thing and then let's kill Brando for doing this to the game. So you're like second on the list of priorities. That's a good word to be. Someone's dying no matter what, right? Exactly. You want to be second in every game of Magic you play in until you win. That's a pro tip. Uh, Tuck, why don't you give us your round five pick wherever the hell we are? <laughs> well, I thought you guys, you know, as I made mention, um, I think the counters are really big, right? <laughs> plus one, plus one's charge. They all kind of pay out. So that's why I think Karn, Sina, Urza would be a really good pick. Coward. So four colors for a legendary planeswalker Karn. It comes in with the five royalty. It's a mythic. Legendary planeswalker Karn plus one. Reveal the top two cards in the library. An opponent chooses one of them. Put that card into your hand. Exile the other with a silver counter on it. Minus one. A card, put a card you own with a silver counter on it from exile into your hand. And then minus two, create a zero zero colorless artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one for each plus one plus one for each artifact creature you control. Each artifact, rather. So for me, this card and this this card in this deck is playing into everything we're talking about. Oh, 100 percent Drawing you a little bit of cards, right? You always get a card with the plus one, right? Even if they choose the worst card 
of the two, you can still get it back next turn. Worst case scenario, you already have piles of treasure. You already have piles of mirrors. You always have piles of anything else. Late game, you draw this for four mana. You get a 10-10 uh, for minus two for four mana. A lot of value there. It's a Planeswalker. We all like Planeswalkers. Seems like this thing is going to be doing a lot of work in this deck that we're looking to get. I'd agree. Uh, you know, I think it's funny. And Brando or Tuck, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. You know, Wizards was real sneaky in Dominaria. Making another counter you literally can't remove. Sliver counters are on things in exile, which are not permanents. Therefore, things that remove counters off permanents, you can't touch. So they basically made sliver, or sorry, silver counters the same thing as experience counters. I see you, wizards. You're not getting by me. I catch you on your bullshit. Uh, second thing. I appreciate that that's the thing, yeah. Yeah. And second thing, I actually learned this in the last week. Yes, I get it. As you lose loyalty, your planeswalkers die. But no one ever talks right. about magic, why it's called loyalty, and why it's called dying or leaving. So I ended up hearing this article about loyalty is how much loyalty they have to you, their spell-slinging wizard. And then as you uptick them, traditionally it's something that benefits that planeswalker. So that's why they stick around gaining loyalty, because you're benefiting them any of the negative effects or things that they would not want to do. Therefore, they lose loyalty mm. and uh, faith in you. And when they get to sure. zero, whether it be through combat or abilities, they haven't died. They've just left your side because they no longer believe in whatever you're doing. Two interesting little sure. tidbits. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly how I always conceptualize it in my head, too. It's like, you're asking me to do too much. You want me to sit here and get beat up by all these dragons and rats and shit? I don't like you that much. And they just peace out. That's exactly how I always conceptualize it in my As brain. they fucking should. I mean, like, let's be honest, Brando. Uh, we all have hung out a few times. So let's just say you, we, us three, know each other as good as Karn knows any spell-slinging wizard. If all of a sudden a bunch of, like, elementary school kids just hurt Karn punching you in the kneecaps and they're and you're like why are you doing that and they're like because you're friends with big tuck and mr combo you're like well i'm leaving <laughs> you're not gonna hang around and be like i'm through those guys through and through i'll stay here and get my kneecaps bloodied you'd be like i'm get the fuck out of here well i'm taking your keys and your car to get out of there too good for you straight as up you should. oh yeah look i'm i'm victimizing you on my way out too like that's how oh yeah peace out baby that's well Concluding round five is myself with my pick 15. I talked about it. I wanted to build in ways to steal my opponent's artifacts to be able to sacrifice them. So either for 81 cents in Chronicles or $150 in Arabian Nights, you can get the card Aladdin. Two colorless red red. Creature human rogue, it's a 1-1. Brando can't stop laughing. That means I hit home. <laughs> Colorless red red, tap. Gain control of target artifact for as long as you control Aladdin. Uh, Brando, I'd like to know, is this the first time you've talked about a card that A, could be in Chronicles or Renascimento? I think that's how you pronounce that? Renascimento? <laughs> This is one of those cards that you just never see ever and it fits so good right it's like a little jigsaw puzzle piece it just feels good going into this deck yep. because it does just what you're envisioning the deck to do 
and it's doing it, and it's doing it. I'm like, really look at Aladdin. I assume that if people are watching you on YouTube, which they they freaking should be, because it's amazing, you'll like, just look at the art on Aladdin. If somebody puts that down in front of you, it immediately next levels the game because it's incredible. It's like it's this terrible sketch, like this little weird looking man, but he's stealing your shit. It is such a cool card in this deck and just in general. It's a nice curiosity piece, and you'll never see it again because I think Disney fucking owns it now and you can't have Aladdin card. Oh, I'm sure. Well, here's the kind of fun thing, Brando. You know you know what you're going to be real excited for? Tell me. Just next or I think it's either it's either this week or next week. We're in the time continuum. We're going to have Vorthos Mike on for MTG Action Ooh. 4 News. Are you familiar with Mike at all and his work? Yes. Yes, I've heard a few of the things that he has done. He's very good. Yeah, so Tuck and I were talking to him earlier in the time continuum. And like how you're talking about Aladdin and the art, Mike educated us on all the little nuances that goes into magic art. And you know what, Tuck? We need to make a reminder when we talk to Mike again in February, we need him to analyze the Aladdin card to see if there's any tips or little oh, things that he picks up sure. in it. Like, hey, be so Brando, one of the things that he was talking about is like, yeah, first strike cards, they always have a particular thing done in the art that you just don't pick up on. And that's the only way it could be used for first strike or gain control okay. of. There's a certain thing in the art that gets used. So, you know, it's a gain control art. So there's little things that the artist put in here where Wizards is like, hey, for first strike, I need someone kind of launching forward in some way, shape or form. And whether it's them throwing something, them physically launching, whether it's the background, something will be moving forward to resemble this is first strike. I'll be interested to hear if anything has like this with Aladdin. Neat. Round six, pick 16 with the card hijack. We're talking a colorless cool, red, yeah. red, sorcery. It's a common for a cool four pennies. Gain control of target artifact or creature till end of turn. Untap it against haste until end of turn. Yes, guys, you can use it to steal a creature and steal their best thing, blah, blah, blah. That's super boring. We're here in Zabaz to take all the artifacts and destroy them if possible in front of our opponent's wizard selves. So they just have to let out a single tier i just if i can get tuck to cry once at a game of magic because i hijacked and destroyed his soul ring that's a game well worth playing that's worth it <laughs> there's a gazillion of these threaten effects and they all do the kind of the same thing but this one especially with zabaz is so good and so on curve my friends are very smart they've said all the right stuff i'm gonna go back to liquid metal torg one more time oh your oh, your planeswalker is about to ultimate. It would be a real shame if somebody turned it into an artifact and stole it and got that emblem. Oops. No, what you do is you take their planeswalker, and as it's about to ultimate, they're like, "Oh no, Brando's gonna ultimate," and you're like, "Ha ha ha!" Pay a red. Second was Zabaz. Fuck you. <laughs> got him. No value. Well, I get you know. Sometimes you gotta flex like that. I mean, just why not? Sometimes you gotta flex like that. Like, yeah, I could have ultimated that Chandra, but you know what? Instead, <laughs> eat my shit. How about that instead? How about that? Nobody gets an emblem. Well, Tuck, why don't we take you to your round six, pick nineteen? What if I told you there's a card that was an enchantment that makes it very difficult omniscience to remove because it's an enchantment? Yes, obviously, sneaking it in. <laughs> But what if I gave you a card that you never had to worry about casting your commander again for the rest of the Omniscience. Game? I wouldn't believe you. We're talking about Abiding Grace. Two colorless and a white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, choose one. You gain one life. 
Return target creature card with mana value one from your graveyard. Holy to the shit! <laughs> what? Did you just break the deck? You guys told me. I saw. I was. I was digging into research, and I was like, "Wait a minute." This is like if you're running if you're commander again. This is like very niche. It's very specific. Yeah, it's so yeah. so specific, right? But there's also um, some modular cards potentially that you would have for one mana that you would also be able to get out for this, right? But for me, it's like okay, so someone's gonna spend money or spend uh, resources to destroy your commander. Now they have to spend double that just to keep this in there. You can, you can destroy Zabaz, move your counters around, all for three mana at Uncommon, like I said, for 14 cents. Seems like it makes a lot of sense to me in the deck. You guys tell me. I didn't even know that card existed. That is sick. I didn't either. No, it, didn't even, kind of... it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't for mine either. The fact that I know that this card exists, I am, I'm excited about this. I'm going to go get one of these, actually. I want to own this card physically in my life. So here's the thing, though. To like Brando's point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the fun answer and the magic answer. I think Brando's fun answer is this is some pretty sweet art done by Ravenna Tran. Uh, I would love to have this as a playmat. This is super sick. I love this. It's like you're oh, sure. elevating into heaven or whatever your heaven of sorts would be. But the second thing, I could totally see how this card slips under the radar. Like, Brando, let's be honest with each other. It's in step, so yes, you get it. But it's three mana. It's in white. We all know we ignore white. And it does just say gain one life, return target creature card with mana value one from your graveyard to the battlefield. I could see how people like us might just oversee it because it's so niche. But that's what makes magic fun. And that's what makes magic fun, though. And that's what makes commanders like Feather or Shirai, where it's, hey, it has to be a targeted cantrip type thing for me to get her to work. Or Shirai has to be, hey, you got to be power one or less to make me work. I love niche things like this. And Abiding Grace seems like that very cool card. I agree. I think this is one of those cards that flies under the radar. You don't need it until you need it. Yep. And then once you see right. it in action, it's like, oh, man, this is... This is really good. I'm not saying it's going to spread out and everybody should put it in every deck ever. Sure. But certainly in a deck like this, it's going to do some heavy lifting for you. Absolutely it is. Because now you're crashing with Zabaz every turn, and he, he eats shit, and he just comes back. Like, yeah, block him. I don't care. And, right? and actually, guys, I think an important thing to note here, just from a, a mechanics perspective, it does say at the beginning of your instep, most of these cards are at the beginning of your upkeep. The fact that this says instep, right, yeah. you can play it, sack your commander, and still get it back same turn. That's a whole nother level of value. Mm-hmm. All right, Brando, round out, round six, pick 18. I'm going to keep up on the uh, Commander Beats train with Sword of Hours. Ooh. It's a new one from Forgotten Realms. It's a two-drop equipment artifact. Equip two. Roll some dice. Yeah, baby. Whenever a equipped creature attacks with okay. plus, plus one counter on it, whenever a equipped creature deals damage to a player, combat damage, period, roll a d12. If the result is more than the damage you've dealt, or 12, you double the number of plus one, plus one counters on that creature. And keeping in mind that all of Zabaz's power comes from plus one, plus one yeah. counters, you're going to get a lot more than just one, right? So you're going to, maybe you'll only get one big boost, but taking your commander from five to fucking ten is pretty good. For what, how, how many dollars is that? 
21 cents. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, exactly. Which I know in Canada is $15, right? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely sold my winter tires, which I definitely needed to get a sort of hours. But you know what? I'm happy. With winter tires, sort of hours. I think you made the right choice. Absolutely. I'm going to win games with it. So I, I like this card. I think this... So this for me is a fair sword equipment to where a lot of times sword of insert and insert makes everyone pucker their buttholes. People run to the bathroom and they're like, how do I kill this? I'm very scared. And a lot of them are very scary. This is a card. I don't know. And this may sound weird. Tuck don't, don't freak out. It seems fair and it seems not intimidating to a generic player of magic. And that's actually why I like it for the deck because I do want my Zabaz deck to be a little group huggy or at least impression wise. And this is a sword of that gives an impression versus a sword of feast and famine. You could easily put in here. It'd be a billion times better, but that's going to put a bullseye on your head. All right, Brando seventh round, whatever pick this is after sword of ours, how are you going to make this deck apparently more my strategy than yours? What? No, I'm not. I'm actually going to take this one directly into my own strategy. I'm going to play Heroes Blade. I really like this card, but I don't see it played a lot. Heroes Blade, two mana artifact, equipped for four, but that that matters less than what the card actually says. Equipped creature gets plus three plus two. Sure. And whenever a legendary creature comes into play, attach it. Under your control, of course. So you play your commander, and instead of it being a 1-1, it's now a 4-3. Just for playing it. Solid. Yeah, that, that's this awesome. Is, it's just good. I will say this, though, Brando. It would be better if you could, if you may attach it to any creature that's legendary, because that'd be pretty funny. Like, hey, <laughs> let's do some group <laughs> to hug. What, to, to what end? Like, to your opponent? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're the hey, deck. I'm going to play the wrong deck. No, attack. no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, oh, you're playing Brea? Well, I'm probably not going to give it to you. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Norn the wary player. Let me give you a hero's blade every time he attaches in the battlefield. That's hilarious. You're you're losing your own mind, Mister. I mean, I'm just trying to break the record for as many MTGO so- mistakes that could happen in a single game. That's so chose going. Down one path. All right, Tuck, give us your round seven pick. So uh, we've talked a little bit about a few cards here that are not removals. We don't have that many. But we do have one here that I think is really interesting, which is Lux Cannon. For colorless, for an artifact, put a charge counter on Lux Cannon. Did we talk about those earlier? I think we did. We did. We might have. Yeah, we did. I'm sure. Tap, remove three charge counters from Lux Cannon, destroy target permanent. And it's about $1.18. So for me, Boros has a lot of good removal. Yes. Especially from white. Mm-hmm. But autofract decks sometimes can get suffered by it. So now we have a card that's going to do nothing until everyone at the table wants it to do something. <laughs> you charge it up, doesn't matter. Charge Beep. it up, doesn't matter. Energy field's out, ready to blow up whatever's out. It's a rattlesnake card, right? I don't even need to blow something up. I'll just add another charge counter. Who knows? Only two things I have to add to this is one, I did get to see the cool mechanic of, and Brando, you might have seen this. I know Tuck didn't. Because he has banned uh, the, uh, you know, other alternate podcasts that we're apparently at feud with. So, good old game nights. Uh, Ashlyn Rose, she ended up doing Lux Cannon Unwinding Clock shenanigans. And holy 
Yeah, it's bonkers. Disgusting. It's so good. I've never seen that in real life, and I feel like if I did, I'd just quit. Like, I'm, I'm not being facetious or dramatic. I genuinely think it'd be like, oh, Lux Cannon Unwinding Clock? I shouldn't play. I'm just... Because if you're going to advance it's your pretty, board, it's, it's going to be a strong card, and they're going to remove it. And then you're just never going to advance. I mean, what's the point at that at that juncture? I, I agree with you. I've seen similar situations like that. Like, if you're going to, like, Mystical Tutor for a Cyclonic Rift, yes. and just leave seven mana up, yep, right? right? Like, I've seen situations like that before. I don't think it's totally game-breaking, because it kind of turns the whole table against oh, you. That's fair. Right? But, I mean, you're right. It is, it's a lot. If, especially if nobody just happens to have what you need to get rid of the Lux Cannon, it, the two the two three rounds that's around are they're gonna hurt you. Yeah, every single time. <laughs> every single time. Well, uh, my round seven pick. I'm going on still the hijack train. We're talking Metallic Mastery, two colorless red. It's a sorcery. Gain control of target artifact until end of turn. Untap that artifact to gain taste until end of turn. Seven pennies. Once again, I am on this train of. If our commander will help us destroy our opponent's artifacts, if we gain control of them, gain control as often as possible. Right. I'm going to throw Liquid Metal Torque out there one more time. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to say it every time you play a steel but deck. But damn. That card's so time. damn it's good. good Brando, I'm sorry. It's just so wrong because my round eight pick <laughs> is Mycosynth Lattice. I don't need a Liquid Metal Torque for that. <laughs> Uh, so let's go six colorless artifact. It's a mythic. Uh, $33. All permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. All cards that aren't on the battlefield and spells and permanents are colorless. And players may spend uh, mana as though or mana of any color. Uh, who needs your fucking two mana rinky-dink artifact <laughs> when I got the six mana $33 big dick motherfucker? That'll just do it for me. You play a null rod too? Well, you know, I mean, no. I, I can't spill all the, uh, you know, mistakes. <laughs> We're not playing reserve list cards here. <laughs> Woof. Wait till my basic land section. What about null rod Karn? Do you, do you play that one? Because that... That's pretty good too. Wait, is null rod? We're not playing. We're not playing null rod. Get no, there's it. a card. That, there's a card that does null rod for your yes, opponent. Yes, we all know. Your, we're not playing null so rod. <laughs> well, you should be, because we're playing Micah's Lattice. I mean, if we're what the hell? hey guys, yeah. if we're going down this path, we might as well be playing blue. Let's just be honest. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> all right, Tuck, oh, give fine. us your round eight pick. All right, so again, our boys coming into damage. We're making tokens. We're making artifacts. We're doing modulars. Nettlesis, three colorless for an artifact the equipment. Hell is living this? weapon. It's a rare. When it enters the battlefield, it creates zero, zero black Frixian germ creature token that attaches to it. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control. Equipped two. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. There's another card that I was doing that I don't think I'm going to talk about tonight. I hope I don't have to. But <laughs> this one just is a repeatable thing that you're going to slap onto to, uh, Zabaz. You can win on commander damage. You can do all this stealing. <laughs> you can do all this brash taunter stuff. But command damage is still an option. Let's bash in. He's got flying. Why not put this in here? Hey, man, come on. I had two swords and another sword. Like, three swords. We've talked about it, Brando. Your swords don't count as swords because they're not as mean as other swords. You get what I'm sorting? <laughs> well, maybe we should play a sword next. Ooh, well, what's your round what's eight that? pick? What do you got? Maybe we should play Sword of Truth and Justice. Oh, you dick. That was one of mine. And maybe we nice. should. Oh, that's a good card. It's great. Nobody that's can be mad insane. at you in this deck with Sword that's of Truth true, and yeah. Justice. That's very true, the three mana equipment artifact, 
Equipped for two, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, pro white, pro blue. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you get a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control, then you proliferate. Obviously, that creature is Zabaz. Obviously, Zabaz is getting double <laughs> plus one, plus one counters. And so is your Ozolith and any other. And your Lux Cannon, right? Yes. Oh, we're going to get into it. Yes. Yeah, baby. I don't know what you have to say about this. This is absolutely one of my picks. It was actually the only pick I had in my entire deck that really mattered with the counters piece of it. I'm going to be frank. Uh, I really didn't <laughs> give a fuck about the counters. I was just like, how could I steal opponent's artifacts and sacrifice them? But so, but I will say this, guys. Truth and Justice is a pretty amazing magic card. Um, like, what? what's it cost? 20 bucks? It's a lot of money. But here's yeah. the thing. Protection from, what's it, blue and red, or white and blue. Blue and white. Blue and white. That protects you from single target removal, the most popular color. It protects you from bounce from one of the most popular colors. The plus one counter you could say is insignificant, but the fact that you're basically paying five mana, getting a plus two buff, protection from basically two-fifths of the color pie, and you're actually buffing your creature by two. Because if you have nothing else to proliferate, giving one creature a counter and then proliferating that one counter, I mean, you're getting four power and toughness for four or for five mana plus protection. That's really good. Do not sleep on this card. Feasted Famine is sexier, but this is way better. All those things are true. I'm just going to keep going here because Big Tuck. Well, it's round nine. Fucking go. Blow our minds. You accused me of not trying to win with commander damage, so I'm just gonna... I was waiting until somebody gave me the infinite mana so I could be a total oh, Are you gonna do, like, the Colossus card? Hammer or whatever? Oh, hell no. Jessica Thrice Reborn, baby. Oh. Jessica Thrice boo, Reborn. Boo, boo. The Planeswalker for red, two comes into play with a loyalty counter for each time you've cast a commander, so if you can hypothetically make infinite mana with artifacts... You could sacrifice your Zabaz a million times and then just win the game with Jessica, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Zero. Choose target creature you control. Until end of turn, if that creature deals combat damage, it deals triple damage instead. Yeah, I mean, yeah baby. Seems or good. Minus, or minus X, Jessica Thrice Reborn deals X damage to each of up to three things. So if you have infinite mana, infinite commander ETBs, you have infinite Jesco for infinite damage for another. <laughs> it's another just win out of nowhere. So Tuck, give us your round nine pick. All right. So uh, we had talked about this, I think, on a, on a Weatherlight report a while ago. But at some point, this deck does need to win. And one of the ones that I thought was really good into it was Tempered Steel. Colorless double blue, sorry, colorless double white. There you go. Enchantment. Artifact creatures you control get plus two, plus two. So this doesn't kill you. If you have this out, your commander can't die to oh, nice. drops. Your, your, commander, your commander can't die to minus one, minus it one. It still That's can die thing. to lightning bolt, just for correction. So can't, still can die to lightning bolt. That's a very good point. But now you have a, another win con with all these other things. Your mill battle spheres. Um, even looking at things like Ozolith to dump a bunch of counters on and put it onto one of your creatures. Like I think for three mana, a plus two plus two, which is an innocuous artifact, 
And Tuck, to your point, and Brando, I think you would kind of see the line with this, is this is the kind of card that we talk a lot about on the channel to where enchantments are very difficult to get rid of. So is someone going to waste their one enchantment removal to Tempered Steel versus an Omniscience that someone else has or a Bolus of Citadel? Probably not. But that's that's the cool thing with Commander because it all depends on how you politic in the game. Hey, guys this enchantment isn't going to win me the game. Even though, to Tuck, you kind of mentioned it, Mirror Battlesphere, you just, instead of making your board state an additional, what do we say, it's 8-11, ends up being uh, whatever that is times two. Just blows it up. Do you think Tempered Seal is that kind of card that can sneak under the radar because people are just like, oh, well, I'm not going to waste removal on this. That's the card that does exactly what you guys said it does, where it slips under the radar until it's too late. Because it's either going to sit there and give you plus two, plus two on your commander, or or it's going to sit there and give you plus two, plus two on your commander, and you're going to drop the mere battle sphere, put a blade of selves on it, and swing in. Yep. And now you're going right. to now if you untap, you win the game. And that's where I think tempered still really sits and i think it's totally worth playing in the deck but yeah i think that it doesn't have the turning point that some do where it's going to be so game-breakingly powerful that it's going to just win you the game immediately that people need to rip it yeah. out immediately right yeah now. but it, it, it can set you up for some wins for sure but i don't think anybody's ever going to be like oh screw that man here's the interesting thing though because uh tuck you and i just talked about this the other day uh it was like the not gift of heliod it was the Heliod enchantment that you could flash in that gives all your creatures plus one, plus one. Uh, it's it's Heliod. Heliod. Plus two, plus two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the funny thing, Brando, is we were just literally shitting on a three mana, give plus one, plus one at flash speed. No, that costs five mana, by the way. Oh, is it five? And it's two, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's five mana. Flash, your creatures get plus two, plus two. So, but here's the interesting thing, though. Once again, and yes, it is three colorless, white, white, flash. Your creatures get plus two, plus two. For three mana, with the stipulation of artifacts, we make the decision, oh, this is a good card it's worth playing two additional mana no artifact condition it just goes on all your creatures and you have flash speed we say it's a trash card isn't that weird how we look at white in such a black yeah. and no pun intended white difference where really two mana to remove the artifact restriction to gain flash should almost be a better card right this one seems like more up to speed for this deck, right? Like you can this one makes sense in this deck because 100%. like I wouldn't run yep. dict I wouldn't run dictated Karametra in this deck, right? Well, you can't run dictated Karametra in here, but you can run dictated, dictated Heliod. Heliod. But Brando, like what's your thought on that? Because like doesn't that seem odd? Cuz usually it's like, well, I'd pay 2 mana more to not have it be artifacts and play it at flash speed. You're right. But I think that just, again, we're using this deck as the example, and I think Tempered Steel just in this particular deck is better. Yeah. If you're just building like a white token list, you're not even going to look at Tempered Steel. You're going to flip right by it in your binder. You're going to scroll right past it on the internet. Just that card doesn't even exist to you. And you probably still won't play Dictate Aphelion. Makes sense. Well, I love the chaos I've been funding so i'm about to enter everyone into a contract and yes it is of the tempting kind if i wouldn't go into java format somehow i do that very often with my keyboard so we're talking about a very tempting contract 
four colorless artifact at the beginning of your upkeep each opponent may create a treasure token for each opponent who does you create a treasure token for a dollar 17. so i've heard a lot of opinions about this card to where it's like oh you just put it in any deck that can't ramp but i have actually seen this card be played and no one ever chooses to make a treasure token it just doesn't happen literally never haven't seen it once i've seen the card played five or six times so here's how i look at that in this deck i think it's worth risking for four mana to have an artifact that could be sack fodder to something else in the deck you maybe have it out maybe it's two three four turns i'm still don't not getting the value okay i'll sacrifice it with zabaz but if I get the value, you keep it around as long as possible. And that's where I think the group hug artifact piece of this deck can really shine is let's take these terrible, terrible cards that give my opponents a value. But by making them artifacts, I can choose when my opponents stop getting value at any point. I hate I hate to be that guy. <gasps> this card is awful. What? That's exactly what Mr. Combo said when we talked about this card as Breeder deck. Exactly what Mr. Combo said. You said this card is trash. And he was right. Past combo <laughs> number five was right. Because this card says pay whatever the hell it is to play on it. Discard a card. Do not benefit. At all. Because nobody's ever going to do it. Because like, oh wait, I make a treasure and then you make a treasure? How about I just don't? Because I'm not out anything and you've just discarded a card, you idiot! Brando, are you forgetting how desperate magic players are? We're fucking thirsty as hell. We're looking for all value. Mr. Combo, I will not take this argument because you literally said that this card is trash. No, no, and you're right. But here's the thing, Tuck. Hold on. There can be cards that are trash and mini decks, but there is one deck that it works in. What's the difference? That you can just sacrifice this one? Yes. Like, I don't get That's it. That's it. But you don't... You don't get any real value off of sacking it. This this card is trash in this deck too, man. I'm well, sorry. Two of the three of us agree this card is but, trash, and one of the two is you. What three three of the three of us agree this card is yeah. trash in real life? Okay, so <laughs> I I'll agree with all the, everything you guys are saying. The only reason I say it's not trash in this deck specifically is because I believe the way you make a Zabaz deck work is ways to destroy slash sacrifice your own artifacts for value. This is a card that you could put four into, and if it goes four turns and you don't get a single treasure out of it, you know what you did? All you did was make your opponents not ramp themselves. You then pay a red to put this into something else that you get value out of. I mean, how Wouldn't many- would you just rather pay four for a trading post? Because then you can or do something every turn. Maybe we'll get a to that. Not a mana tithe? What is that card? Tempting. I was about to say, did Come you on. forget Smothering Tithe? Because I was about to have to... Yes! I did oh, forget no. it. And that's the card. Just pay four for a Smothering Tithe instead. Well, we're going to get to that. Just do that. All right. Just, Clearly, just that. I failed on this. I thought that would be hilarious <laughs> and funny, but I was wrong. So, for round 10, <laughs> I am taking us down the Gurapur Ori into our uh, little bit of group hug as well so we are talking about gurapur ori oh i like this card four colorless artifact rare 280 oh no you get one for 95 cents that's pretty cheap 
Uh, each player may play oh, nice. an additional land on each of his or her turns, and then it states each beginning of each player's upkeep, that player has no cards in hand, that player draws three cards. So, just like my previous bestest group hug card ever talked about, uh, Gearport Ori like. is another good one, because this is the kind of card that gives the impression of group hug in this deck. Because for four mana, it's like, hey guys, you play additional lands and draw extra cards. Yeah, I might have a land in play that I can play. But you know what, Brando? I see you got nothing in hand. You want to draw three for free? Do it. Just do it. Tuck. I know you've been rampant. You just hit a Kadama's Reach. I know your land flooded. Why don't you play an extra land and we'll be okay? But this card's here for when I feel like my opponents are probably getting a little too much value that I'm getting. Pay a red. Get rid of it. Or if someone hits me, like Tuck loves to do. Brando, let me just get a taste. Let me get a taste. Let me just let me get a little little thing. Okay, well, if you get a taste, I'm going to get rid of this. Well, I'm okay with that. Okay. Hey, everyone at the table, be warned. Tuck is the reason we don't have a Gearpoor Ori anymore, and he is the reason you don't get to draw cards or play extra lands. You just totally politic the game to your level and can get rid of it whenever you feel like. Honestly, I love this card. Gearpoor Ori is a card that I I freaking love. I catch some heat over it too because like, ooh, it's value. Yep, yep. I don't care because it makes the game go a little bit quicker. It makes everybody just get to that mid-late game like everybody wants to do a little faster. And if you're just totally screwed, it can keep you in the game. And it's one of those artifacts that you're never, ever, ever going to see each no. ship. Nobody will ever remove this card, ever. Because you're not taking any more advantage of it than anybody else. And it's just a cool-ass card. And one of my favorite magic artists does the art oh, on it. So, nice. super oh, cool. Kirsten Zingable, if you will. Kirsten Zingable. She is excellent. I like her as a human and as an artist. Well, and I think the thing that Tuck would love about this is that when someone does choose to get rid of it, even if it's a board wipe, he could then take the position of, guys, it wasn't me. It was them. Look at that dick. I, I just, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help I'm trying everyone. To help everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Tuck, why don't you give us your round 10 pick? What are you talking about? All right. I am talking about Mace of the Valiant. This is interesting. Ooh. Interesting. Has some has some value here. So, or Valiant here. Two colors <laughs> and a white for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each charge counter. Where did we hear that before? Uh, on Mace of the Valiant, it has Vigilance. Whenever the creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a charge counter on Mace of the Valiant and then equip three. So the way I look at this is this. We are playing creatures, Brash Taunters of the world, uh, Mirror yep. Battlefields of the world. And the thing I think that really puts this one over the top is whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, non-token, non-artifact, it doesn't matter, any creature, it's going to plus up. We also have things that can put charge counters on it. And again, if we go on our fringe, like super cycle <laughs> here of getting Zabaz into a commander damage, that will matter. Woof. It's all good. It's all, <laughs> it's, it's all, all good. good. It's all good. Actually, here's the thing that I do like about this. This car's fucking rules is what you think. <laughs> a Doyle rules. Um, so I think Brando and I will agree on this card purely from this circumstance. 
I think the way that a Zabaz Dex works is somewhat of a go-wide ETB artifact type strategy. Like, you need a lot of things coming in, whether it's you're sacrificing them for value, you're getting triggers off of Mesa the Valiant, and when I see whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you get the effect. It's like, oh, well, Mycosynth just made five triggers? That's pretty powerful. That's pretty amazing. And decks that can run green and Avenger of Zendikar can make 10, 11, 12. So I think this card has enough upside to be worth it. And here's a great thing, Tuck, is you can stretch in this kind of deck with Sabaz because he himself or they themselves can destroy an artifact. So as long as yeah, you have exactly. a way to get it and destroy it, you're good. Yeah. What is your 10th round pick? We've got Planeswalkers, we've got plus one, plus one counters, we've got charge counters on stuff. Should we just cough out a little bit and play a Contagion Engine? Mm. Oh, that's so yeah, that's mean! Really you think? Six drop artifact comes into play, minus one, minus one counter on each of target player's homies. So it shrivels up your opponent's army, and you can tap four and it to proliferate and then proliferate again. So it makes your Zabaz bigger. That's that's cool, man. What I like about that? Charge counters. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, Brando. I'm here for this as long as you put in some stupid bullshit counters. Let's get some energy in here. Let's get some <laughs> fake counters. Let's get some nonsense. That's what I want. Well, I mean, we could play some fake counters. Some fake we got like, charge mystic. counters. What more do you want? Yeah, like, look at that Lux cannon. I want the cannon. world. That Lux cannon is looking real good right now, isn't it? And counters and others. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I love Contagion Engine. Um, that's a card... That's very interesting. I can only find a home for it in my Planeswalker deck for obvious reasons. But this is a card that has a lot of power. And I think it's cool to have cards like this in Magic that can really impact new mechanics in a way that, if you think about it, just having Trample on a card doesn't have the same bearing as Proliferate. Proliferate can truly warp a deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure it can. It turns, like, fading things into no longer fading things. I know I use this card in my uh, Atraxa list to turn my Tangle Wire into actual hell. Oh, my God. My You're right? a monster. Like, You're I know, right? And it, <laughs> you ever seen so, You ever seen a uh, Tangle Wire with, like, 18 counters on it? Because I have. Cause I, I can did only it. imagine. <laughs> and it was, it was incredible. Everybody's like, I'm not scooping. You have to beat me. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's not going to be hard. Yeah, go go right ahead. We'll figure yeah. that out. Hang in there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, of course, we get Contagion Engine, Contagion Engine, because that's the way that I copy and pasted it into our Excel doc. <laughs> Woof. That was a doozy, guys. Uh, well, we are going to take a short break from part one of Bruising Builds. Hope to see you for part two.